True Connections is a journey within to discover that you are part of everything. Life can often feel disjointed, but you and I are actually connected to one another, to nature, to animals, and many other ways like your thoughts, intentions, dreams, even your imagination. It's my desire to bring spiritual insight to these true connections so that you can get into the flow of life, receive the things that you want without struggle, and enjoy a more constant level of happiness. I am Weston Jolly, your host. I want to thank everybody for joining me today uh, because we have a, a very cool topic that I'm calling the unnoticed spiritual energy all around us. And of course, we know that there's uh, energy, different kinds of energy that we interrelate with. And sometimes, oftentimes, we're unaware of um, different facets of energy that we're basically picking up or having observation to, perhaps on a subconscious level. So part of what I want to do today in this podcast is to talk about energy as a topic, which is fun and sometimes challenging because the uh, putting into words um, how energy works for a person isn't necessarily the same as somebody else. So today I've done something really exciting and I have a very special guest and I will call her my friend as well because she is. Um, we have Andrea and she's coming in from uh, across the pond <laughs> in uh, London and I just wanted to have her join us today to have her experiences and we're going to have um, Andrea and I kind of a uh, a dialogue about energy together and about some of the things that she's experienced and um, my perhaps offering some guidance or leadership to that so please let me welcome uh, Andrea to uh, today's podcast hello Weston, I'm really excited to be chatting with you as always. Thank you. It's absolutely my honor. And um, as you'll get to feel, uh, Andrea, she is just a treasure in terms of her passion, um, her beauty, and her desire for personal growth, and especially in the spiritual realm. And Andrea, uh, something that we've been, you know, conversing for quite a while now in terms of uh, having dialogue sessions. Um, and I know that oftentimes that you have asked or presented questions uh, around energy. And again, like we just got through talking, I thought it would be really fun for us to just have a dialogue um, and kind of inclusive of some of the places that you've been, um, because most people may or may not uh, experience in this lifetime the kinds of experiences that you have. And I'm going to let you just uh, share a little bit about um, maybe your interest in terms of travel and that kind of thing for the moment, and then we'll kind of sashay into how um, how you have felt in different aspects of uh, some of your travels. Sure. You know, I think it's an, a really interesting topic that you bring up because I get to talk with you about something that I also have found pretty interesting about the past few years, and it's not something I've really spoken about that much. So, you know, I'd say I definitely grew up traveling a lot with my parents. I'm Indonesian and I'm American. It's always been a big part of our family and the way we've connected with one another. But, you know, after those initial travels when I was young, there was a long period where I didn't really feel like I had the energy to travel. And that was really strange for me because I'd been such a big identifier for me and for my family until the past few years where I started realizing that if I traveled with a spiritual purpose, uh, some sort of broader intention for me with my own spiritual journey, I started to engage with places in a new way. And instead of being exhausting, I started to find myself being rejuvenated and excited about the interactions I'd have with the place I'd visit. Um, which was really exciting and cool because all of a sudden I became a lot more energized as a person, which is something I've struggled with a lot in my life. Can you talk about that a little bit um, in terms of, is it like that you struggled managing energy or um, you, you spoke just briefly just a second ago about um, feeling drained? Yes. So everything seemed normal until basically I think I hit 
burnout. And I became incredibly painfully aware of how burnt out I was all at once. And once that happened, it was like I couldn't shake the burnout from my body. And I experienced this this long and uh, incredibly frustrating stagnation, which um, I experienced as what I thought was parasites. And, you know, I would, I would oh, wake up really so, so, late in the day. So, so yeah. you, you, physically, you physically thought you had something, not yeah. that you couldn't, uh, but physically going on. Totally, for like five yeah. years. Yeah. And it was really hard to get rid of. Yeah. I just, I had fogginess in the head. I had a lack of energy, to, a lack of willpower. I thought I was really lazy, but then I would have these clear moments and realize, like, oh, wow, it's not laziness. There is something wrong. That's absolutely fascinating. I mean, fascinating in the sense that um, I think it's a very common occurrence that we experience something energetically and almost always, I'll speak of myself for half a second, that we uh, think that something's wrong with us. So as a child, um, perhaps similar to you, Andrea, uh, there was, I've always had an acute sensitivity. Now that's period, but especially when we speak of the term of energy, meaning I can feel the energy of a room, a person, a dog, you know, a cat, uh, you know, a football game. I mean, you can, you, everyone can, but there are definitely people who um, tend to feel it more. And when we're taking in energy, um, <laughs> and we don't know how, and I'm putting that kind of in air quotes here, um, we can not know what we're doing, which is not true. We just haven't remembered what we're doing. That's the purpose of what we're doing here today is to, to bring that uh, that understanding to a conscious level. So number one, that you're not thinking that something's wrong with you as much as perhaps you're wanting to uh, integrate further. And if I may speak boldly, Andre, just in terms of some of our experience together, there was a time that I I witnessed or observed that, uh, energetically speaking, um, that you would be uh, a chameleon, meaning you would uh, adjust your energy to the room um, or to the environment of the people uh, with an intention mm-hmm. to you know, fit in. And I think that's, again, extremely common, back to my own self. That's something I emphatically did. <clears throat> I didn't know that I was doing it, meaning I wasn't conscious I was doing it, but I did it to, you know, of course, to be a part of the family or to be a part of the group of friends that I wanted to be a part of. Um, and, and sometimes we, we develop a habit of, habit of that that becomes unconscious to the point that we're um, not balanced, meaning I'm trying so hard to match the energy of other people, but I'm not necessarily um, being, shall we say, in truth for myself. I didn't mean to dominate here, <laughs> Andrea, so please let me have you continue. No, not at all. It's helpful to hear you say that because as you're saying that I'm also processing, yes, totally. I can almost feel it in my body the way that I've matched these different places and times in my life. So much so that when I found myself, for example, at a monastery, that rise in energy level, what was amazing was finding that I could match that and that I hadn't been on a day-to-day holding that energy just because I didn't see it reflected back to myself. Well, describe that for us further. Um, when you say match it, how did you, number one, what did you feel when you walked into the monastery? And perhaps you can give us an idea where this monastery was. Sure. So, I was in Nepal at a okay. Tibetan monastery that's near, you can see the Himalayas. It is an exquisite place, and I feel incredibly wow, lucky. I can, to I, have I can feel you just talking to you. I get, I get emotional. Yeah. I'm sorry for, I just, I, mean, uh, I, I can honestly, just feel I that. I, I, <laughs> so it's okay. I, if I cry a little bit, it's, it's just how it works. So. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I recently just hung, I took photos on this little disposable camera kind of thing. That's not disposable, but anyway, I just, I, I put some of those photos on my wall. It was such a meaningful trip for me. They're now like in my living room wall. And I can see the faces of some of these young monks who I met. They had such an impact on me. But I can, yeah, I can share. So the first, when I first arrived there, I was with a group of three other women. They were in the middle of what they called a fire puja. And a puja, I just, honestly, I can't tell you what the direct translation is, but it's like a prayer ritual mm-hmm. where they all come sure. together and do the chant mantra. Right. And the fire puja was outside because there was a big fire that they were um, was attending. 
So we arrived in the middle of where they're already doing this chant and sat down. And it's just this, you know, these tiny little monks from like the age of five and six, all the way up to adult monks were sitting outside. And I was just really startled. Oh, wow, to wow. That's little... I'm sorry. That's interesting yeah. itself. Cause most people, when they think of monks, I stereotypically, I think of someone who's uh, of age, you know, of, you know, 30 something. I don't know what the age would be, but um, so that's interesting. So, but very, tiny souls, individuals, uh, children who are participating in this. Is that correct? Absolutely, yeah. It was, like, yeah. It's astonishing to see because the other thing that I had forgotten, you know, I have I have, uh, have a, the great pleasure of being around monks, uh, Tibetan monks in my life, but what I've forgotten is when you're, what I found when you're around a Tibetan monk, it's not, so it's like these young monks were five or six, they also have this incredible groundedness. They feel like the earth somehow to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they have what I was and what I was seeing in this ritual, an incredible devotion at such a young age. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so we walk up to, you know, they're all sit, sit in rows, sat in rows. Um, looking forward to the person who's leading it. And we, we walk up to the side and we sit down and they come and like kind of make us, help us, make us feel comfortable. And as I'm sitting down, like taking in the scene of these little, little beings who are so comfortable in this spiritual work, I am like really taken aback and very emotional I think I definitely had tears in my eyes and I didn't know what the tears were from, to be honest at the time. It just was all a lot. Right. Um, yeah. I remember sitting down and this weird thing happened. I suddenly saw my inner child in my mind's eye. Okay. And she's, she's not, she's not always apparent or visible to me, but, and usually when I do see her, it's when I'm having a difficult emotion. Sometimes I see her kind of curled up in a ball or in the corner of a room. I picture her kind of like hiding from people. Interesting. And yeah. this time, yeah, I see her come to me and say, hey, I've got this. Like, let me, I know how to do this. Let me take care. Let me like take over. <laughs> hands, hands, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what? This is bizarre. Like, go, yeah. like, okay. And so I see her sit and cross-legged, like, within my body. And she suddenly is just moving. So they're swaying. These little monks are swaying together as they're chanting. Okay. Very okay. effortlessly, right? If you can imagine yeah. all these ch- children, you know, ch- chanting and swaying. And she's swaying with them, chanting, as if she knows exactly what they're saying. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I'm just lost in the sound. You know, these vibrations from the chanting of all these people around me. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely tears. There's definitely my whole body it kind of released and grounded itself in a way that was definitely new. <laughs> Andre, this is incredible. Um, the especially the I'll call it the remembrance of your uh, childlike self and having that connection, <laughs> actually even wanting permission to to uh, shall we say lead. <laughs> um, and that's why I kind of zeroed in on the age of the monks because uh, we've taken the conversation uh, that we can, and obviously with regards to many many people, um, have access to an energy that may be predated to this life, meaning we're actually recalling different things that take place. I'm going to describe something, um, but I certainly want to hear more. Uh, we want to hear more, Andrea, in terms of what you're sharing. Um, because, and I want to be kind of specific for a moment, um, you know, we could be talking about healing energy, kundalini energy, sexual energy, uh, focused energy, manifesting energy, um, you know, there's all kinds of energies that that we can and do participate in. But today, in terms of our, uh, kind of our focus, kind of opening up the door to this energetic topic, um, becoming aware, um, and it being the 
unnoticed spiritual energy all around us, of course, is what we're talking about. And so what, are, what we're wanting to do is put folks' attention on this energy, have everyone realize that you're not alone, you're not by yourself, and perhaps some of the things that are taking place here in terms of our dialogue together, Andre and I, um, will spur some energetic pieces within you. So let me share something. Um, this is different, completely traditional, based upon what you just got to sharing. Um, but, and I want to come back to uh, your interrelationships uh, with energy because that discovery process in itself is very cool. And I, I do feel extremely emotional about this topic um, because it's almost like a topic that um, you personally experience and you wonder if other people experience it. And I've kind of likened that to going to uh, like a concert and we've got people in the room obviously the audience and I'm a member of that audience and but for some reason uh, not with everybody um, certainly I'm not the only one but for some reason I'm moved in a way that could be described as different than somebody else and I've always wondered why meaning I've always wondered why I would be um, so touched and I say that uh, again with air quotes uh, because it's not a physical touch, but I, I feel touched. My heart feels touched. I feel moved. Um, as you were describing, I feel sometimes grounded. Uh, sometimes I feel elevated, like I'm literally um, floating in this connection uh, that can be environmental or in the in the presence of some person. And when that happens uh, within me, I become very excited. I mean, my I become like maybe like you, Andre. I become much like a boy. My eyes go wide, and like oh wow, we're about to have some fun. And so I open up and I, I want to play um, in this kind of energy. And it's very uh, pure. It's very authentic. Um, it's it's the purest of languages. And, and most people hopefully know this, but when people are tuning in. Uh, when I say tuning in, when they're uh, processing, we hear the term clairvoyance or clairaudience as you know, a means to clearly see or to clearly hear. But clairsentience, which is our ability to, to feel clearly, is something that is our strongest uh, gift by far. But interestingly enough, and I say our, I'm speaking of literally everybody, um, but most people are unaware to the degrees that they're actually receiving information via energy and this process. And some people are going to want to categorize it in terms of a physical feeling that my skin got hot or my skin got cold, which it can happen. Um, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to originate in that kind of way. And this is why uh, perhaps even uh, the language today that Andre and I are sharing could be a little bit different, but, but hopefully very descriptive to elicit the permission within you, our listeners, to really feel that within yourself and have you understand that, number one, you're not at all alone, that, that these things that have been processing perhaps within you since your earliest moments, or perhaps there's something that's not true, that you've not um, experienced uh, anything until more recently, and yet you went to a concert, and you've been to many concerts before, and all of a sudden you felt um, moved in a way that you've never been moved before. Anyway, I just wanted to share that um, that connection that we have with energy can evoke all kinds of different things, um, emotions within within me as a person, oftentimes tears, but not because I'm sad, um, but just because I feel ecstatic. Uh, it's a complete uh, utter, utter joy to be in this energetic pres uh, presence. And I don't know how even to describe that from my body. My body wants to just weep in joy <laughs> that we're, we're here or that we're in the, uh, in the presence of something that's um, sometimes we use the terms magical or that beautiful. And again, uh, emanating from our own selves or receiving that in any way. So Andre, please um, continue with your dialogue. I didn't mean to interrupt in any way there. No, not at all. And are you saying, when you're saying you are feeling moved by being in the presence of something magical, are you talking about we're back in the scene of being at the monastery? Yes. Just in general. Yeah, no, no, no. Because, um, you know, I haven't been to a monastery. I've not been to Tibet. Um, mm -hmm. But <laughs> I can and do, uh, and I have many, many times with you, Andre, and I know that you know this, but, and I'm not trying to live through you, um, but I can feel you and your connection to an energy yeah. of a given person or a given situation. And I. And that's, I guess, part of the channeling issue I thing, if you want to call it that. But I can just, it's, it's, it's beyond empathy. It's, 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 it's a total oneness. And I can basically, as if you gave me your body, I can feel you. And, um, and then suddenly um, my body, which is yours, um, wants to have all these different reactions. And, of course, 
I'm giving it permission to, to do that so that I can really have, we'll call it, perfect understanding of what, you know, you in this case is going through. And I do that with other people, of course. But there, there is a connection that sometimes we have with um, individuals that can be higher uh, than other people. And I say higher just like we would have uh, friends or close acquaintances that we would, maybe we could use the term favor, but not necessarily in an uh, egotistical way, but, but there's just a, a connected way. Sometimes these relationships that we have with one another are, uh, again, beyond this, this realm. So when we, we come into one another's presence again, sometimes this energetic exchange is just that of a remembrance. Hey, <laughs> do, you, do you remember uh, this energy? And what you were just describing and feeling you, Andrea, um, and feeling the little girl in you, you know, tapping into the to the kids, uh, even in the swaying, I can just picture that perfectly. <laughs> you start to sway as well. Um, it's it's something that is, uh, of course, very very real, and I'm saying real uh, in the physical realm for for anyone who needs that. But ultimately, it's it's real beyond that. And so, what I'm really wanting to give. Um, shall we say, open invitation to, is to extend yourself into energies that perhaps you've been exposed to your whole life, but you've not necessarily um, picked up on it or become aware of it, or shall we say, just kicked open the door to how energies can be uh, processed that aren't um, harsh or bad. They're just beautiful energies and perhaps the most divine of reflections of things that you're trying to show yourself um, in this lifetime in terms of being, bringing yourself up to a state of awareness and, of course, to a choice to express. Now, Andrea, I, I definitely overstepped here. I want you to go back to the monastery and tell us what else happened because I think we're all dying to, to hear what happens next. <laughs> okay. I also just wanted to mention, as we're tuning into the scene and as Lesson's talking about some of these this amazing, incredible, miracle kind of experiences, I find myself having to close my eyes um, which I just wanted to mention is one way sometimes I find myself um, learning how to integrate or feel energy. Sometimes I feel like I get flooded by something. Again, we're talking about trying to find language for things that are difficult, right? But one yeah. thing I notice is when I'm flooded by a certain energy, I find myself closing my eyes because it feels good. Yeah. It's like helps me focus maybe. What is that about? It's totally that. Um, focus attention. Sometimes people who are clairvoyant um, also will close their eyes to prevent the physical eye uh, from distracting from what they're seeing. Um, artistically, um, someone may choose to uh, not look at something physical in the room. So let's say that, um, Andrea, for example, um, you were a model and and you were sitting in front of the room, and I was an art student, and I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, draw you sitting in a chair, whatever that looks like. Um, that's that's very typical in a standard you know art room. But there's another way of doing it. Um, there's a, we can take a picture of Andrea and draw that, um, or we can literally shut our shut our eyes off, literally, and picture the chair, picture of Andrea sitting in the chair, and literally. Uh, sculpt in that that kind of way. Sculpt in terms of be a clay or uh, or even draw it out in that, that fashion. So, turning off a physical sense is um, a very common ways to give further attention to what it is that you're perceiving. Now, I think that's wonderful, and I would encourage everyone to to do that. Everyone, and there's no rules, right? So I don't want anyone thinking that what I'm about to share is uh, a rule. However, I will stretch you that. As you get more practiced, you can keep your eyes open, uh, whether that's a clairvoyant uh, imagery that you can um, process that um, while physically seeing. And energy, you can do the same thing. Um, a lot of people do shut their eyes to uh, process what they're sensing, if I use that term, uh, that goes outside the physical senses. And so that's great. But if you can, um, practice, again, maybe just kind of turning it on and off in terms of uh, opening up your eyes. And sometimes uh, people go into a very still state, uh, like a meditative state, um, where we, we would sit and focus very, very um, solemnly in an energy to basically uh, feel it in the way that we do. Fine. But it doesn't have to be done that way. We could be at a rave, um, you know, where, where there's a lot of movement going on uh, within our own bodies, um, and yet we don't have to be still or with our eyes shut to, to, to perceive that. And I'm, again, I'm not necessarily talking about just the physical pieces. 
So I would have everyone experiment um, with, you know, uh, closing your eyes. If that helps, by all means, do it. And then at the same time, uh, give yourself the opportunity to realize that you can do beyond. You can go beyond that, and and don't let the physical, um, should we say, interrupt what you're processing on a spiritual level. That would be my biggest encouragement. Thank you. Interesting. Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm taking it back to the scene, yeah? Where yeah, I'm yeah. sitting at this fire puja and I'm just astounded at all these little beings who are displaying such mastery to me of a prayerful, devotional act in something that I'm desperately trying to learn. And I just see these tiny little you know, seven-year-olds who are just so naturally in their flow with it and I'm just totally mesmerized and aghast, really. And so there's this thing going on with my inner child, just like playing with the energy. And later when I'm, my mind is trying to make sense of it all, what I realize is that it feels like suddenly, almost for the first time, that kind of shock feel that I'm in an environment where I'm allowed to be the devotional being that I am. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so significant for you to say that. So, sorry for getting excited, yeah. but I just, <laughs> go ahead. No, I know. I know. It felt, in, well, in, I just felt so incredible. And I was like, what is going on? How do, what, why, what has changed? What has changed? I'm not much. I'm not doing anything differently besides I'm here, you know. But there's just this, it felt like, I, so I was there for a week, and it felt like the people I met and was around, and we not like we're talking, they don't speak English with me, but suddenly well, there's this frequency or something, that's the word I'm using for it, that's sure. all around that makes me feel like I can bring out parts of myself that I've been hiding and that I didn't know I was hiding. And suddenly it feels so good to show them and to bring them out on a daily basis, on multiple times a day that I'm in prayer, and to really devote myself to this. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what that is exactly for myself, but suddenly there's this part of me that just feels so good to exercise and to practice and to be around these others who are vibrating at this level and yeah it's um I didn't even I, I didn't even come to this place on my own volition I mean I chose to I chose to agree to go but I didn't choose this destination I was just happened to be um on a pilgrimage with a woman friend who had put together this little, um, what do you call it? Like an itinerary. And I said, yes, the itinerary. I said yes to her. I said yes to my intuition saying yes to her, but I did not plan on coming to this monastery. And I, I haven't been totally aware of my own connection with Tibetan Buddhism or Buddhism itself. And here I am suddenly just finding this massive piece of myself in this, in this unexpected way, this massive unexpected way. I'm so glad you said what you shared because, uh, number one, there's something to really emphasize, uh, Andrea, for yourself and for the benefit of everybody else as well. Um, And that is, (laughs) I hope everyone heard it. She said yes, how many times? (laughs) One, two, three, four, five times um, to the itinerary, to the opportunity, um, yes to life. I mean, all of this is yes to the flow, right? The universal flow to the energy. So when we are saying yes or asking, you know, which is the same thing as saying yes, um, we are participating. And I want to share that because that's how, and I'm putting that in air quotes as well, how we access a certain kinds of energy. So I will share or reflect that this is not even close to accidental, but divine in nature, where there's some part of it that, uh, Andrea, that has wanted to tap into this very specific kind of energy in this exact kind of way as a means to reflect back um, some things to help her understand herself herself personally and to perhaps learn um, how to engage in this kind of energy. And when I say learn, that's the receiving of it 
and of course expressing it, meaning um, or offering that energy. And that's why I talked about you know the different kinds of energy in terms of healing energy, kundalini, sexual focus, um, energy of duality. When I say that, you know, think male energy versus female energy. Um, but this is different, meaning this is a category all by itself in terms of we're really just becoming aware in the most general sense, <laughs> um, but then we're going to dive down into some very specific things of the energies that are around us that are not just, they're not just kind of closed, they're significant closed. They're, they're like, um, um, as we would leave ourselves a, a hint uh, in the next life of uh, a, a state of remembrance, that's what we do oftentimes with energetic experiences that that will will create an experience with an intention to say, "Hey, do you remember uh, this part of who you are?" And and you, Andrea, saying yes to that part um, is very beautiful. And of course, as everyone knows, Andrea is an adult, and I will definitely share with hopefully your comfort, Andrea, that as you continue to mature um, as an adult that you are, um, that that part of you may not um, become anything less than than what it is, even more significant, meaning the, the little girl, the childlike pieces, the innocence um, that, that continues to be fostered, even though you are choosing to mature from a physical perspective. And this is something really, really uh, to be said. And this kind of energy, by the way, um, <laughs> the tapping into just a general energy like that of nature has a, an energy. And when we speak of the earth having a, you know, a tone, and Andrea used the term frequency, which is very interesting, um, because, of course, all energies does have a frequency. And most people don't know that energies um, don't ever stop. And most people think of it uh, an energy like um, putting gas in the tank and that energizes the car to be able to drive down the road. Um, energy is it's a transference. It's something that's always in flow from one form to another. Um, and it's not something that we can stop or categorize. We do with, uh, in science because it, it, it helps the intellectual mind to understand or un- appreciate how electricity flows. But... But the reality is, it's it's always going. It's always in the flow. And I'm using electricity as a little bit of an analogy because um, it's all around us. But think of our ourselves as humankind. We didn't know that, you know, once upon a time that we didn't have any concept of energy. Um, number one, and let alone electricity. And yet, it's around us. Even if we didn't have, you know. Uh, power stations to make electricity that so we plug into the wall with, et cetera, et cetera. It's always been here. Now, <laughs> that's part of what we want to get um, back in touch with because the more that we choose to engage in that kind of awareness, it definitely takes its places. So I'm underlining Andrea's passion for life, which is <laughs> totally Andrea, um, to say yes to um, the invitations of the universe and yes to her own higher self to perhaps an invitation that, Maybe she didn't even know that was going on until she got there. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I guess to tell, for some reason, I feel like sharing this part too. You know, initially the reason why I went to Nepal is because I, I was very aware that one thing that I had been missing in my life is grounding. And of all the places that I felt called to go on the earth, the Himalayas were something that had always just been so majestic and so just like just beyond comprehension um, and fascinating. And there was an attraction there basically. So when I look at it now, I definitely feel like I was being called by the Himalayas because I wanted to learn from them how to ground myself. So absolutely fascinating to me. Um. (laughs) Uh, What I think is funny is that at that time, and I think when I look back at this whole journey and my interrelation with different places and learning how to feel energies locally, wherever I am, is that in the beginning, when I'm still building sensitivity to feel, it felt like first I had to go to the things that were like what I felt to be the strongest energy givers so that I could begin to feel little. And I think it's funny to me that I went to Himalayas because wow, for me, those are just such a giant energetic stronghold of the earth. 
you know, I had to go all the way over there just to begin to be like, this is real. There is energy here and it is teaching me something. Well, I think that's incredibly insightful, um, meaning we have given uh, scores of retreats in Hawaii um, as an energy um, hub, if I can use the term. And I've always been very transparent about that. Um, and Sedona, of course, many, many times have we given retreats there as well because it's a, a, a portal of energy, and, and again, a different kind. When I say different kind, different kind in Hawaii versus Sedona. Um, and while I've never been to the Himalayas, <laughs> interestingly enough, and I'm not a hiker, meaning I'm not a uh, mountain climber. I do hike, but not not you know without ropes or <laughs> um, Mount Everest or anything like that. But I've always been fascinated um, by that area, and I've watched and read countless books <laughs> on um, mountaineering. And I'm just wondering now, kind of out loud with you, Andrea, that um, I'm wondering if that has to do with what you're talking about, um, that I'm drawn to the mountain, um, and not necessarily yeah. the, uh, the climber's experience as much as the mountain. And I actually feel emotional about that and then to or kind of tapping into that because I didn't realize that until this moment, that mm. there is something very profound, in, and I'm an air sign um, by my astrological birth, um, and I, too have to have grounding, meaning if I'm not grounded, I am really imbalanced um, as a person. And we're talking about energy, right? So if I'm in an, in an environmental space that is really airy, it's very fun for me. I mean, I get very excited about that. Um, but then if I'm not properly grounded, and one sense I get in trouble, I've, I feel my body feel really, I want to describe it like I'm getting sick, and that's not, that's not true, but it, it feels really uncomfortable. And not everybody has this or has this quote problem or this issue or the sensitivity. Um, but when I ground, it's like, oh, yes, oh, I, I feel complete. And that's part of the duality that I'm, I'm taking the, the uh, airness within me or the, the ability to tap into that into the ground. So going to a place like the Himalayas, Andrea, and experiencing that firsthand, um, maybe that's why I'm emotional just stepping into you again, thinking about you being there. Um, I just feel that, and it just feels, how do you describe it? I, I want to use the words at home. It just feels like at home, that there's just a, uh, an energetic balance there that perhaps isn't, it's everywhere in the world, right? We can create that anywhere we want. But there maybe there are, and we know that there are, that you going to one of the strongest places on earth to engage with this energy as a means to awaken or to become aware of how well you can receive uh, is cool. So I kind of think of like maybe you went to a Rolling Stones concert in, in Tibet to turn up the amplification system so that you can really, really, really feel the energy in that uh, geographic area and the people uh, as a means to um, create balance and resonate some pieces within you uh, that are certainly grounding and perhaps uh, very, very instrumental to what you're doing and what you're creating in this, this life. Hmm. It's nice to hear. <laughs> but yeah, talking about it's taking me back to, you know, on, on the way flying into Kathmandu, into Nepal for the first time, I happened just to be flying from the right direction where we flew by Mount Everest. And suddenly I'm on the plane and the captain goes, if you'll look to your right, you can see Mount Everest, which is insane. Oh, wow. And I just remember just, just totally, just, yeah, being totally shocked by the sight of it and also tearful. Um, yeah. Because for me, what it means is, yeah, I like hearing you speak about a Western and then feeling it again. It's like, for me, what I was hoping to experience was that uh, my dream of experiencing grounding, my dream of being able to experience the majestic beauty of what I imagined the Himalayas might feel like. I was hoping that I would I would find that there, and the nervous that I might not, that I might not be able to feel it, that I might not be moved by it. Right. But when I got there. And it took time and it took um, prayer 
where I was continually asking for this connection with the land, um, which is a practice that I've been trying to cultivate for myself. Um, I, so I actually have to go, choose to go on this as a four-day trek around the Annapurna mountain range. Okay. Um, which, by the way, Annapurna in local language means uh, like full of food. And when oh, really? I heard them say that, yeah, full of food, because food really grows well around the valley, basically, I yeah. think is what yeah. I've been told. But when I hear that, what I hear is abundance. That makes sense. So, I, yeah, I want to go walk around this area of abundance of the world. And while I was walking, I was asking mountain for a connection with myself and for with with the land, with the water, with rocks, with the wind. And I was asking for help. And I was asking the earth to help me listen, help me connect. And over time, day by day, you know, slowly, I could start to feel different things. And I think I also... Just got to ask her real quick. Um, yeah, is that something that you've that you've always done, meaning from childhood? Uh, I don't have memories of it. You do or don't? Do not know. Okay. Um, do you think it's something I've always done? <laughs> yes, I do. I know. I know it is. I'm absolutely really? knowing it. Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah. And the reason I'm saying that is because um, I'm re- reflecting on my own self for the moment. We're kind of two kids in a little canoe here sharing with everybody. But um, the uh, the asking, I've always done that. Meaning when I go to uh, go outside and hike or walk or do anything or get in the ocean, um, really my intention is to become at one with whatever quote thing I'm doing. I went and climbed a mountain yesterday, overlooked uh, a little beautiful little, little bay area where we live in the central coast of California. And and yet the uh, my intention is to be at one with literally everything. I mean, the ground, the birds, uh, the environment, uh, everything. And, of course, when we're describing this, I'm talking about energy. I, I want to be one with that energy. And, of course, <laughs> that energy for me in that space, uh, as you were describing, is, is very grounding, something that's very healthy for me, as I described. But this asking that you're talking about, oh, my gosh, I do that all the time. Now, I'm not mm. suggesting. I'm absolutely sharing and hopefully not with anything but just confirmation that your choice to ask is something that's um, natural, meaning uh, something that's always been there. And if it's been developed or coming about as newer to your conscious mind, great. Um, but but you having that understanding is pretty cool. And you, you referenced something else, too, that I want to kind of highlight, and, but I want to continue hearing what, we, what you have to share. I'm so fascinated by this. Um, that you described uh, coming into the area and that you need a little bit of time. And I just made a note in my head that that's like coming to an area and, you know, getting um, used to the area. Sometimes we do that when we travel from a different time zone, right? It takes us a minute to get out of the jet lag to get used to that area. And yet, is that it? Meaning, is, is that what we're adjusting to? Are we, um, you know... Tuning into the area. Do we need time to do that? And sometimes we do. Um, sometimes an area such as, you know, <laughs> the Himalayas um, may take a minute for you to get used to. Um, and the reason why is because it's, you know, thumping or vibrating or has its frequency uh, to, uh, in essence, invite you, I'll use the terms deeper, to a, a deeper understanding or um, an inner wisdom, uh, a connection, of course. And, and, of course, not necessarily just to that part of the world, geographically speaking, I meaning it can, it can take you outside of this realm, outside of this universe, quite literally. And this is why these things, in my opinion, uh, could be and are done. Um, but so you being acclimating to the area is an interesting term, because I know a lot of times when people come to Sedona, they need to acclimate, or Hawaii, they need to acclimate. It takes them a little while to get used to the energy. And you know what? That's why they come. Now, when I'm teaching in that kind of environment, and I've been very transparent about this for years, um, I'm using that energy, uh, meaning that local energy, if you will, to work with 
me is you know say me uh, together so that we have this uh, individual and collective experience now with, whether we're doing a retreat or you know we're on a pilgrimage of our own um, these opportunities are before us but this acclimation is done back to something that Andre you said and is very natural uh, for you but not for everybody um, and you're saying yes to it you're you're literally asking to be uh, connected and that will take you into further depth of connection, meaning it will allow you to, um, you know, become used to that frequency or that environment that much quicker. And when you do, this is a part I'm most anxious to hear from Andrea, I'm interested in how you feel, how, what's happening in that period of when you first come in versus, uh, let's say, day three or day four, and, you know, what's happening after that. And, man, anything you can describe there, Andrea, is something that we're all leaning into listening. Sure. Okay. You know, there's a lot of nervous energy, a lot of nervous energy I had, um, excitement, fear about what I was going to find. So I think definitely in the first days, and my mind was spinning too, and I was really desperate for answers. So, you know, my, my self-talk was like very much trying to figure out and ask questions and, and within my own head when I'm on the track for the first few days. So, you know, I feel like the first two days, just tiring myself out, listening to my own inner monologue, talking my ear <laughs> yeah. off, yeah, exhaustion, yeah. you know, with a good first phase of release, just like listening to my thoughts until I couldn't anymore. And, you know, tiring my body out until it's feeling more loose. Um, you know, and a huge, amazing thing of going on a trek into the mountains is that your own rhythm starts to move with the with the rhythm of nature, just submerging yourself in nature like that. I think it's actually a faster way of acclimating to a place rather than a city. You know, because I was going to bed when the sun went down and I was waking up when the sun rose. And it's so quiet at night. There's nothing there. So I felt like in retrospect... I was sinking into my environment more quickly. But to be honest, when I was experiencing it, I think one, two, three days, I think there were moments when I was like, I haven't really had any big insights. You know, when are those going to come? Right. And I think it was on day four when I had tired myself out in all these different ways that the insights just hit bam, 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 bam. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, it started yeah. just happening all one time? Yeah, they just started, this conversation I've been having in the back of my head since day one started suddenly to have answers. And I started to feel these kind of openings in my body, openings in myself. You know, even, you know, at this time in my life of particular so much going on, particular tension and anxiety about incitement, you know, new energy hitting old energy. I was, you know, emotional eating in the week before going on this trip. And so I, I wasn't feeling that good in my body when I arrived basically. And, you know, on day four, I did feel a big change. I had, you know, worked through some of those anxieties with all the walking by day four. Yeah. Yeah, there was just uh, yeah. Physically, there was an opening a lot of, on a lot of different levels. There were these. When you described um, the uh, insight, Andre, anything specific, or as an example of something that that just availed itself or opened up to you? Yeah, you know, the other day I opened up my journal. That. I'm glad, you, I'm glad um, you mentioned that word. I want to talk. I want to talk about that in a minute. Journaling <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> is a really important part to yeah. capture these things that we're uh, we're going through because uh, they're very very um, important to us. So, yeah, you opened up your journal. What what happened? Totally, and I've had a, a, such a big lesson from you about my journaling and finding my own voice, Weston, because you were encouraging me to journal so much and then you're encouraging me to go back and read what I've written, which I wouldn't dare do without your, yeah. <laughs> at the time, without your nod. And I went back and I read my journal and I was like, whoa, that's kind of brilliant. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, and I started to hear my own voice that I hadn't heard before. When I looked back, it took a moment to see these micro thoughts I'm having during the day. Like, wow, there's something there, you know? Hey, everybody. I thought this would be a perfect moment to take a quick pause with the interview that we're having with Andrea to talk about a different kind of journaling. I have just released a new course called The Secrets of Free Writing. In it, I am teaching how to meditate with a pen. And I'm sharing this because it's been a passion of mine from the very beginning. This has been the, the thing, the tool, the spiritual way, if you will, or the means in which I became aware. And without this tool, it's really difficult to get a hold of important ideas or spiritual insight. And automatic writing has given me, as it will give you, that direct access in written form. When you automatic write, you can actually measure your own growth, of course, review it, and dig down into your ideas and, of course, the spiritual messages that come forth consistently. You're about to hear something Andrea is going to share in just a moment that happened for her, where she read something that she had written up before, and it meant something very, very meaningful to her. Please take a moment to check out Secrets of Free Writing on my website at westonjolly.com. And now, we'll get back to the interview with Andrea. I realize now, like, one of my intentions coming on that trek was working, I was trying to figure out why I keep having, um, or was having, these issues of um, not feeling good in myself, not feeling worthy of all these wonderful gifts that I've been born into, whether it's, you know, skill sets or family situations, privileges. For some reason, with all the other issues that I've had, this one seems to be core one that dominates all the others. And I was ruminating on this during the walk. And so suddenly on day four, I'm like, I have this while I'm journaling, excitedly, looking out the window, this amazing peak. Okay, I was looking out at this this mountain called Fishtail. That's the English word for it. It's okay. a sacred mountain. And by the way, in Nepal, the mountains are so much bigger than anywhere in the world. Like, if if any of any of the other peaks in the world were in Nepal, they might not be considered mountains because they would just consider them hills in Nepal. That's how big the mountains are there. Like, they're enormous. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah, that like, is totally. They they literally don't name like what would be mountain here. They they just would call it a hill and would not give it a name. <laughs> it's not worthy yeah. of a name, huh? <laughs> yeah, like that's the scale yeah. we're talking about. These giants, these titans. Anyway, I'm out I'm looking at this. I just want a quick side. There's this sacred yeah, mountain yeah. called Fishtail, and the reason why it's sacred is because people have tried to climb it in the past have been unable to either they have failed or they've died um or they've experienced these crazy things where they've climbed up to like base camp two and when they wake up in the morning they find themselves at base camp one <laughs> so Very yeah this is, hint, this is what's right? happening <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy. this is a story that yeah. i heard and so officially the government decided that it was a sacred mountain that wasn't meant to be climbed. And so no one can climb it. I love that. That is cool. So, oh, that's so interesting. Extremely interesting. Yeah. I love that the government acknowledges, you know, the sacredness of it and these sacred acts. I love that that's so much a part of the Nepalese culture that can be seen, you know, it feels so good to, yeah. to hear that to me. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm writing, and what I decide is that I've spent my life trying to be something else than what I am, and I realized on my walk is that that was actually a futile effort, that I could never be anything but what I am, and that it wasn't worth my time trying to be anything else. <laughs> and this is my big epiphany. <laughs> oh, no, like, I why think it's... am I trying to be something that is literally impossible? 
like to happen. Like I, you know, I was literally made like this. I could try all I like all I want. I could use all the money in the world. I could, right. you know, get a thousand people's help, and I will never ever be able to be anything but what I have been born as. <laughs> right. That was step one. The second step was, and I have been born this way on purpose, and. I have been divinely given this body with all the attributes that it has and this being that I have been incarnated into at this moment. I've been gifted all of that divinely. And in fact, all of it, all that I am is this divine gift. And that is something that has been sacredly given to me. And I realized that for me, the most, so on side note, I have, what I've already realized at this point in my life when I'm on this venture is that sacredness is something that means something so much to me. And I, I know that sacredness is my guiding light somehow. That's, I, that, that much I had gained already. So on this walk, I realized that I have been, in fact, say, like uh, divinely given all the parts of myself, which, you know, I have been trying to change since day one. And that, that was actually dishonoring the sacred act of what I am already. And I realized that the most sacred act, which again, for me, is exactly what I'm trying to do, is honoring all that I already am. And I asked myself, how do I honor everything that I am? And my answer to that was, I, I nurture myself and I explore this being that I am and try to understand this being that I've been gifted, which is myself, in all the ways I can. And that's how I honor this gift, this gift of all these attributes and gifts of this family, the gift of where I live. And then I, sorry, this is long, but step two, so I learn about her, I nurture her. Step two is then sharing her gifts, sharing and expressing her voice with the world. And that, it was my biggest testament. Uh, Andre, I'm uh, I'm deeply touched by that um, because I can't tell you how many times a day that where I sit when people come and and present themselves with a question and they'll ask a question such as you know how do I become myself which in one sense from an intellectual perspective is a ridiculous question um but it's not because we we are all conditioned beings we come into this realm and we're conditioned to you know become what the world thinks a girl should you know be or act like and be the different cultures that we grow up in and it's a part of this path or this journey um into uh, self-awareness, you it's you realize how futile it is to give energy to anything else than being your true self. And yet we we negotiate with our minds. You know, is that okay? Is, is this something that um, my mom or dad would like, or you know, my friends or you know, whomever? And ultimately, what you're hearing is, of course, egoic thought. Um, trying to keep you, shall we say, back into that branded image or that that presence of um, who you think you, you should be. And I use that language very specifically. And when we take the the space or the, uh, I want to use the word time uh, because it's relevant to this, this side of the fence, so to speak, but it's not real. But, but when we take the space to go into ourselves and to really appreciate 
the divinity of why we've come into this embodiment. And to... <laughs> I love that word, your, your word, the trip is sacred, because uh, it's, 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 it's not just a word. It's, it's, it has a depth of meaning to it. It has energy with it. And when we revere our self and our origins and who we are as creators and to put that that back in motion to the potential of what we can exhibit or express or just receive in this realm, in this embodiment, it's without question, and this is certainly my opinion, one of the most beautiful gifts that you could ever give yourself, um, bar none. And, and that, again, that energy towards that reaps rewards that I don't think people really understand. And I feel so emotional about that because um, my feeling is if, if everyone did uh, have that understanding of what it would mean to realize oneself in this realm and to put just a tiny bit of that in play, let alone uh, perhaps abandon the pieces and the parts of what who and we thought we were, um, appreciating where we've come from in terms of the stories, etc., but not to, not being attached to them any longer gives us permission to go beyond. And that going beyond is uh, a very personal journey, but then there's similarities. And that's, this is the patterns that we see with one another. And this is why I'm so grateful to you, Andre, to do for you to be in my life, number one, and, and two, to be sharing this space um, with everyone because we can relate to that. We can we can feel that, that we, too, want to give ourselves individual permission to um, stop trying to be somebody that we're not. Uh, and I think that, that being done at an earlier age versus uh, an older age is something special, something to... Uh, to put a light on, and I put that that light on you, Andrea, because of your age, uh, being a a young woman, and yet having that wisdom or that understanding, which is not taught, meaning it's something that's innate and um, it's something that's that comes forth in you. Of course, just being you, which is always the truth with all of us when we choose to exhibit or to express um, that desire, that that connection, and this. This path, if you want to call it that, this energetic path of giving ourselves permission to be at one within ourselves and to literally allow that to come out. Again, like I said, it's everything. And Andrea, I wanted to kind of circle the uh, the journaling thing because obviously um, I've been automatic writing for my entire experience, and and there's a difference between that and. Uh, free writing and certainly um, just journaling, um, but even just capturing what is going on spiritually uh, or dream state or you know just absence of just thoughts, which is to me a, a journaling aspect, has unbelievable value. And what you have shared, I mean, I'm the pleasure of so much of what you uh, have exhibited, and I have to share with you. I feel extremely abundant about that. But the the channeling that you've done and do and uh, whether it's through prayers or toning or, you know, if there's some ways that you've participated in that, that insight to capture that in a journaling like form um, has value beyond your imagination. And the reason I say that is because it enables you to actually touch or feel the energetic wisdom from something that comes beyond, you know, the person of Andrea, or the person of Weston, and and that's why Andrea, when you went back and reread some of your journaling, um, you could recognize and feel the profoundness in what was being exhibited. And there's something extremely humbling about that <laughs> to know that it came from your hand, number one, and two, uh, to also recognize that it's not from you, the person, or it's not limited to that. Um, and that's just something incredible. And and yet, you know, whether we paint or we draw or we, uh, you know, capture this period journaling or automatic writing or however what those forms are, they are all, um, in one sense, one-dimensional means of trying to catch something that is multi-dimensional. And I want to be fair with that. 
but still it has tremendous value because as we share that with one another, just in terms of this this dialogue or this interview, if you will, uh, with one another, we, we, we create an opportunity to remember and to uh, come back to that, to perhaps connect again in this kind of way and to give ourselves permission to say, yeah, I'm I'm going to leave behind uh, my artificial self or my lower self or my my pretended self to uh, be who I am. And it sounds funny to say this, but it takes a lot of courage to do that. And I, I say courage because the mind that will die when your physical body dies um, will tell you that that's dangerous. Um, that that would uh, take you in a direction that would have you maybe cut off from all society and the world at large. And and yet the choice to be ourselves is the biggest gift that we give one another. We give ourselves first. And then the sharing with this, and I'm talking about right down to um, the Himalayas, <laughs> I mean, there's an engagement. There's a state of oneness in that space as well. So don't miss the idea that when we make that kind of choice, that it has this profound effect, and it's not just in this realm. Um, and when we start to experiment or play, or again, as Andrea has been suggesting, ask questions or put desired attention in that space, um, you'll find yourself interacting in ways that are you, that go beyond um, perhaps the physical presence of you. And that's, uh, I, I don't know, I, I'm just touched in my soul, Andrea, for you to, sh- to share <laughs> those very simple steps, which you have such a gift of doing, to taking something that might be quite complex and just reducing it to a couple steps <laughs> and um, sharing that in a way that's uh, very profound. So please allow me to bow my head in honor of you here. Thank you, Weston. It's awfully nice to hear your reflections big time. I moved, um, truly. Uh, I uh, know we've gone a little bit beyond what our our intended time was, but Andrea, with your permission, I would love to ask uh, you back to perhaps do some more uh, sharing and dialoguing in this form. And and I just want to heartfeltly, um, <laughs> you touched my heart, and I, I know that others who open up their heart, um, that you'll have that same profound effect upon them as well. And so if you don't know Andrea, I, I welcome you the opportunity to get to know her here and perhaps in other places it will take place as she continues to to bloom. But very, very grateful. So thank you for your presence. Likewise, Weston. Thank you so much. This is really fun. It is fun. So um, unless you think differently, we are doing this again. I'll just make you commit right now. <laughs> that was fun. Um, so, <laughs> For us to make true connections, we have to engage. I really want to hear your comments, so please leave a review at westonjolly.com forward slash review, or go to iTunes and give me your thoughts there. This helps our connection, and it's a tremendous help to others, too. Everything we do is designed to offer you a deeper spiritual connection within. You can also make a personal appointment with me, Weston Jolly, right now by going to westonjolly.com. Also, check out my current events, books, and other products. Also, my free newsletter. Thank you for joining me, Weston Jolly, for my podcast, True Connections.